What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morantz, Joe Johnson's jaw rafts, of course. We've got Jays. We got them for days. Josh, how you doing? I always forget. I feel like this time of year, it's just all the sports. All I mean, the sports. Did, did you know the NHL season started? I did. <laughs> only because <laughs> only because I was scrolling through my ESPN app and realized that it started. But yeah, yes, I, I did know that it had started. Over the weekend, I think I went, oh, oh, these are no longer preseason games. This is turning into the regular season this week. And of course, we got the NBA coming up. And the NFL is still doing its thing with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes playing this weekend. And college basketball is getting ramped up. And my one of my favorite sporting events, we got MLS Cup playoffs. We're leading up to a World Cup. It just this time. Oh, and of course, postseason baseball. That was the other new thing that got thrown in there. I just I always forget how many different amazing sports are happening this time of year. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of it's wild. too much. It is too much. And I was talking about this with one of our with one of our uh, shared friends the other night about it's just. I mean, at at this point, football is on six of the seven nights of week of the week. I mean, maybe five of the seven consistently, but Tuesday and Wednesday are the only days you don't have any football, like any real football, because you get the Thursday night NFL game and there are always good college football games on a Friday night. And then, of course, you have the weekends and you have Monday night. So football are in and of itself has, <laughs> right. has five of the seven nights, uh, seven days of the week. Anywho, college basketball podcast. Kevin Sweeney on the podcast today. Uh, we have to take a moment to make fun of me. Um, it, we just can't go without without acknowledging this. Um, you're not going to hear my voice a single time on this podcast in this conversation, a half hour conversation with Kevin Sweeney. And Josh, why is that? We had a little bit of a situation. Mm. I'd like to blame it on my alarms, but at the end of the day, the kid didn't wake up for the for this podcast. Um, context, because I and I, I got the receipts. I told Josh that I was really looking forward to this particular conversation, and we're willing uh, to make the sacrifice. And was willing to make the sacrifice. Those who don't know, I am a overnight producer at a radio station in Indianapolis. That is what I do. I do morning sports stuff, and you know, at six a.m. and then I come home and sleep, and that couple with a part-time job knocks me on my backside and we were on the back end of a, you know, double shift essentially. And the, and we made an attempt to get up three and a half hours after I got home to go to sleep and I, it didn't work. It didn't work. So I am publicly apologizing to Josh, publicly apologizing to Kevin Sweeney and publicly apologizing to I guess I, I guess the podcast. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But there's no me on this pod. Maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it just means everybody better. Oh, stop! But <laughs> but but Kevin did come on at the back end of our Big Ten preview week. If you haven't listened to our Big Ten preview with just Josh and I, I was alive and awake for that one. I am on that one. And uh, we put that one up earlier in the week. That's already on our podcast feed if you'd like to go check that one out. But this is the uh, accompanying conversation with somebody uh, in and around the conference. Kevin is a 
Northwestern guy, um, a Northwestern alum, was at Big Ten Media Days just hours before uh, he hopped on the podcast. So plenty to talk about with him. And uh, is there anything else, Josh, is the, the guy who was actually there that we need to know before we go chat with Kevin? No, it was a good, all-encompassing conversation about the conference. I really tried to hit on a lot of the things you and I talked about. How much stock does Kevin put into IU? Are they really the best team in this conference? And he brought up a couple of things that you and I also talked about sort of voluntarily, one of which was this idea of, is there even a national title contender in the conference? So it was, it was sort of validating, I guess, in a sense, not that that's what we're talking to these people who cover these conferences extensively for, but he came at it from a a sort of a similar spot that you and I did. So it was interesting to get a third person's perspective who is dug into this conference. Like you said, who was there at media day talking to these coaches. We also touched a little bit on what commissioner Kevin Warren had to say and kind of the state of the big 10. So very, very, we, you know, we touched on basically every team in the conference. I was surprised by a couple of things. I will save the, my specifics on that until after we hear the conversation with Kevin, but hope you enjoy it. Let's go talk to Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated. Joining me now is Big Ten extraordinaire college basketball extraordinaire Kevin Sweeney. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today, Kevin. How are you doing? Good, man. A little tired. Uh, trip trip to and fro uh, Big Ten media. It's always a, a taxing couple of days talking to a lot of people, but uh, certainly good to be back, and certainly felt like that was the uh, the true start to, to college basketball. It's like across the country, and you know, other leagues did their media days this week, and I just think the the excitement level ups ups a little bit. I know everyone says they had a great summer, and everybody's excited. No, no one thinks they're going to suck. If you, <laughs> you suck before you've had real practices, then you're probably you know in real trouble. But uh, I did think that it was it was it's always fun to hear from everybody and, and uh, start start getting the ball rolling for the new season. Yeah, it always feels like this is kind of the time, right? You get the media days going, and now it's once you get past the baseball postseason and, you know, NFL is kind of just doing its thing at this point. It's not as novel now that you're five, six weeks into the season. It feels like finally we're getting sort of focused on to college basketball, which is always exciting. Before we sort of look at the conference as a whole, one of the things I did want to ask you is, and you and I were kind of talking about this before we hit record, this idea that media day is not perfect for getting all of those really interesting stories and kind of those special tidbits because it's sort of so structured and you're getting a little bit of everybody, but what did you feel like you learned from big 10 media days? What were your biggest takeaways that maybe are going to inform the way you look at the conference this season or kind of your, your expectations or things you're most curious about? Yeah. I mean, I think I, 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 I coaches are meant to say this, right? Like no, no coach could say, I think the league's a little down this year, but I, <laughs> I was surprised by the level of confidence that um, some of the coaches near the top had in the other top tier teams in their ability to be true, like national contenders. Right. I think mm-hmm. when we talk through things on the national stage right now, there's a lot of people that wouldn't have a big 10 team, even in the top 15, right. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of really good teams, right? Michigan looks good on paper. Illinois looks very solid on paper. Indiana obviously runs it back and has some intrigue there. Um, but I think the common refrain would be, okay, those teams are good, not great. And there's a lot of great teams above them. Um, and I think there seems like there's confidence that some teams in that group can can really take the next step. And so whether that comes to first or not, 
we'll see. But I mean, that was that was the that was the energy uh, of media day. I'll say that. I also think, obviously, it's always always good to hear from you know Kevin Warren and kind of his vision for everything. I know there's a lot that change that's changed with you know the expansion and uh, the new media deal and, and things like that. And so getting his thoughts, I asked him about NCAA tournament expansion, um, and he sounds open to it, um, but wants also also wanted to talk about things like you know the fact that they have to add UCLA and USC and how is that going to change the schedule? They talked about potentially doing multi-team events in conference to try to get through mm. some of these games to try to limit the travel and help, help keep teams on campus. So those are things you're, you're kind of looking at longer term, um, you know, NIL things like he, he, he continues to be heavy on a federal bill, which quite frankly, it's not going to happen in the next two years. I don't believe. Um, and I also thought that, you know, some of the, stuff that he said about streaming was, was, was interesting given that the new TV deal puts almost 50 games a year on Peacock, right? I mean, no ESPN, no streaming thing. I know there's been like frustration with fans, but his general, his, his viewpoint was, Hey, like they put the Olympics on Peacock. So like you're doing something right. If you're on this platform, there's obviously a lot of, you know, and, and, and he listed off, you know, because of the new media partners, you know, CBS, NBC, Fox, I mean, every you know global sporting brand is on one of those. I mean, the NFL, Premier League, um, the Masters, the Kentucky Derby. I mean, you go, the list goes on, the Olympics, like, the list goes on and on. So I think that's kind of the message from the, the commission's office is like, hey, like we have the opportunity to be on such a national global footprint um, that we maybe weren't even on before. So obviously those are the things you're, you're kind of feeling out when you kind of look at the national landscape of, of the league and kind of the long-term trends. But I thought for this year, I think the, the fact that there feels like there's some confidence that this could be a, uh, there, there could be a next level team, a team that could go to a final four, could go to a national championship, I think is, is, is at least worth noting. Yeah, definitely. And that was one of the things I wanted to ask you, do you agree with that assessment? Is there a team that stands out to you as either a clear favorite or yeah, a legitimate final four national title contender? Cause I almost kind of looked at this and went, it might be a good thing for the big 10 that expectations are lower because then you don't get into this worn out narrative about how the big 10 underperforms every single NCAA tournament because they don't get a team to the final four because they beat up on each other, whatever it might be. I feel like it could almost be the opposite this season where the big 10 sneaks up on some people. Cause there isn't that clear team. Do you feel like there's a final four caliber team in this conference? I don't. I mean, I think there's some like second tier type contenders, but again, when you're talking about the first top 10 to 12 teams in the country that I think you really believe in that are, that have a few more questions answered. I think that's the biggest thing, right? I, I think when you look at the talent that an Illinois has, the talent that a Michigan has, I think to a degree, the talent that Indiana has, um, like those teams have the talent to be top 10 caliber teams. But like, in, like Illinois is going to start a freshman point guard. They're going to rely very heavily on two transfers who both weren't healthy last season. They're completely changing their style of play. I mean, yep. going from – bruise it inside 20 and 10 to positionless space you out. Um, I know Brad Underwood actually kind of spoke to some somewhat mimicking what Iowa was able to do to them a season ago with the way that Iowa could pull, pull you away from the run with Keegan. I think they're going to be able to do some of those things, but Coleman Hawkins is a, a central piece. He averaged six points a game last year, right? Like, I mean, RJ Melendez, another yeah. central piece averaged what three points a game last year. I mean, it's, it's there's so many questions. And, and so to say, okay, Illinois is a final four contender He's putting unrealistic expectations, I think, on them, even though they have the upside, the talent to do just that. Michigan, I mean, they're bringing a transfer point guard. We saw one really hit with Mike Smith and one yep. struggle with Devontae Jones. 
but they're also talking very highly of freshman Doug McDaniel. Doug's great. Doug's going to play. Juwan said Doug is going to get on the floor a lot. But, again, he's a freshman point guard ranked outside the top 50. Are we, like, are we counting our chickens that the Final Four team? Like, I wouldn't think so. And, and Indiana was what they were last season, right? Like, you could say they found their stride a little bit late. Obviously, uh, Xavier Johnson was was really solid down the stretch, and that helped them. But like, they still were like the eighth best team in the Big Ten last year. They they were no they were no world beater. So I can hear, oh wow, they're deeper, oh they're more athletic, and that's the whole narrative. But to make that jump from playing game to the Final Four just because they got a slightly better shooting guard strikes me as a bit a bit aggressive. So I don't necessarily see a true Final Four kind of favorite, but I think there are teams that could have the mix to be really, really interesting and really dangerous as as we get towards March. So much of the conversation is about IU because it's almost sort of this default of, well, everybody else has all these questions. At least, you know, the pieces IU has. And so, you know, they're the preseason pick by the media to win the conference. You express some of the, the concerns, how much of this hype surrounding IU do you buy and what do you feel like the ceiling of this team actually is? Is this your preseason favorite, the team to beat in the big 10? And if not, what are the biggest concerns you feel like need to be addressed with this team? So I have Illinois just above that. I have Illinois 15th nationally, Indiana 20th. So not, not, not a huge gap. Um, look, I think it's, it's underratedly hard to make a jump from solid to elite. I think like, Indiana, like, if Indiana doesn't jump from solid to good, it would be a huge failure, and it would be an indictment on Mike Woodson. Um, because again, they've added talent. They get you know they have another year of cohesion with Johnson playing with the two bigs and Thompson and Jackson Davis. Like again, if, if they can't make a jump off of that, then there's issues here. But look, I mean, there were some like pretty significant weaknesses that this team had a season ago that aren't automatically going to go away. They weren't a great shooting team. Xavier Johnson isn't going to magically become a 40% shooter. He never has been that in his career. He's not going to be, he's not going to be a knockdown guy. And as you know, Miller cop really struggled last year as high, the upside is with Jalen Hutchfino, like the number of freshmen who come in and materially change the way that your team shoots the basketball is very low. It's a big adjustment. And I, I just, so, so, so does this team become a really high level offense that they weren't a season ago. I mean, they had a lot of the same struggles that they'd had under Archie in yep. the way that they scored the basketball. And so, yes, I, I think you could be optimistic because they have more options, right? I mean, Galloway's back, but you hope that Tamar Bates can make the jump. You're hoping that, you know, Hood Shafino can be that impact guy in, in the backcourt. But at the end of the day, I don't think you can just count on all of these things happening. So I think, again, I think they'll, they'll jump, but is this team going to be an elite offense? I don't think so. And, I think if they're not in the lead offense, it's going to be tough for them to be a true national contender, right? I think they can be in that next tier, but to be that true national contender, I think it's hard if they're not going to be a lead on offense. Do you see a way to fix the shooting issue? This is one of the things we were talking about, this idea, like you said, you know, that's not exactly what Xavier Johnson does. It's not what Jalen hood Shafino does. Is there an it would open up the world for Trace Jackson Davis if he didn't have to be double and triple teamed every time he got the ball. Is there a way you feel like this team gets to the point, even if they're not a great shooting team, so they can space the floor enough that all of a sudden there's some more driving lanes and Trace Jackson Davis is has a little bit easier time doing his thing where he's not, you know, facing 
three, two, three bodies every time he gets a touch in the paint? Well, I think one of the big challenges is that, you know, Race Thompson, he's a very good player, but I mean, it is a bit of a throwback style to play that true traditional power forward. And yes, like Race has a little bit of ability to, to hit jump shots, but again, if you're a defense, you're game planning, right? Like you're going to say, Part the, like part the seats, take take yeah. your jump shots, race. Like right. if you're gonna lose on five race Thompson jump shots, you're probably gonna take that, right? And, and so I think that's like a, a that's an issue, and I don't think it's something that's easily fixed because I don't think you're gonna take him off the floor because I think he's a really valuable player. Um, but look, wait, right, race Thompson has made 21 career threes. Uh, he made 15 last year on a 27 percent clip. Teams are gonna let him continue to put those up if he wants to take two or three threes a game. No one's gonna have an issue with that. So I think that's part of it. Uh, I do think that the one thing last year is that their offense really found a, found a rhythm despite the fact that teams could kind of condense the floor uh, in March because of how well Xavier Johnson was playing because Xavier's just so, so, so quick in the ball screen. He's such a good passer in lob situations with Trace. I mean, you know, the concept of, of essentially spacing the floor vertically where there's such, there's such pressure on the rim because of Xavier's ability to crash down and, you know, Trace's ability to attack the rim and sit in the dunker spot, I, I almost think that it comes the other way around, where instead of the shooting helping Trace and Xavier, it's almost that Xavier and Trace can help the shooting get to a place where it's not so bad because you're going to get so many good looks because you're just flying downhill and everybody's crashing. And I think that's where it kind of needs to live for Indiana to be as successful as they want to be. We've talked about Illinois a little bit. You've mentioned Michigan briefly. How many teams in this conference, I think those three are kind of the consensus top three, how many do you feel like are legit contenders to end up being in the title race when we look at the end of February, those last couple games of the regular season, teams still in the hunt to win this conference? Do you think it's those three? Do you think it's only two of those? Do you think there are more teams that could end up being a factor at the end of the season? I think there's more, and I think a lot of that is because, like we said, there's there's so many question marks with some of these teams, right? Like, like if, if – I mean, bless his heart, if Coleman Hawkins gets hurt, I don't, I don't know what Illinois is doing at center. And if Sky Clark gets hurt, I don't know what they're doing at point guard, right? Like like Michigan, uh, like we said, I mean, Kobe Bufkin was terrible last year. I mean, you're going you to know, lean on a freshman point guard a lot and Doug McDaniel. Like, you know, the, the, the idea that Michigan is, like, guaranteed to not lose 13 games is, like, that's not, that's not reality. Like, they, there's a very real chance that this thing – is bumps and bumps and hard. So I do think that there's there's room for an Iowa who I think you know is going to get the Chris Murray jump. I think Tony Perkins is going to have a really nice season. Pat McCaffrey looked really much much bigger and bulkier at media day, which I think is a great sign for him. His ability to play up and rebound and help them, like they they could be in the mix. I think Ohio State could certainly be in the mix with their talent level, the, the experience of the transfers combined with the talent, the, the top end talent with the freshmen. Um, Purdue obviously has the most dominant player in the conference in Zach Eady. And they saw space. They spoke very highly. Matt Painter did of, of Braden Smith, the freshman who the yep. only true point guard on the roster. They're going to rely on him. I think um, at points just to manage the game, they're not going to have a Carson Edwards, but you know, if they have enough, I, I think they do have enough in the backcourt to be interesting. You can throw teams like Michigan State in that mix. I mean, I, I have my questions with Michigan State. The depth is a concern. The relatively unproven nature of some of these guys is, is a concern. But at the end of the day, it's, it's Tommy Zo. I think Hogard and Walker is going to become a pretty potent duo. Uh, and I think Jay Nakins is in for a breakout year. So 
I, I do think that that next tier, that next three to four teams could, could truly be in the mix and, and make this thing interesting. I, I don't think this is a league that's going to be won with, you know, a gaudy win-loss record, right? Like, you're playing 20 league games. Like, I, 14 and 6 is going to win it. Maybe, maybe 13 and 7. Like, I, I don't think anyone's running through this thing. Is there a team, whether it's one of those you just touched on briefly or a team we haven't talked about yet, that you are either super high on, you think they're going to surprise some people, or one of the questions we always ask in our preview is the team you're most intrigued by, a team that even if you don't think they're going to win the conference, you just find very interesting because of the situation they are in heading into this season? That's tricky. Um you know, I'm, I'm somewhat interested in Wisconsin just from the perspective that, like, I feel too similarly to how I felt about them coming into last year. I'm ranking <laughs> them in that kind of same tier. And then, look, I mean, Chucky Hepburn's not Johnny Davis. He's not going to explode the way that he did. But, like, a lot of the same kind of things that made them really good, which is that they were super disciplined, that they they imposed their will on and their style on you, that they had Tyler Wall, one of the most underrated players in the country, Um those things all kind of hold true with this group. And I think Max Klesman's going to be a really good piece from Wofford. I know uh, Chucky Hepburn yesterday said that he had some Brad Davis in him, uh, which is, I think, scary to the rest of the Big Ten's <laughs> fans. Um, but, I mean, Max is an elite shooter. That's the biggest thing that he'll bring to the table. Obviously, toughness and you know, want, desire to win is huge and what made Brad Davis a legend. But I mean, Max Klesman is a sniper like i know other coaches who recruited him thought he was maybe the best shooter in the portal um he, he's gonna be a big big time piece and they just need one more one more guy on the wing to step up whether that's you know a freshman and connor Sigian, whether that's jordan davis um right whether it's you know marcus ilver or someone like that they just need one more dude I, it's so so tricky because like you, you piece it together it's like okay maybe one more piece and it, it works really well they're also like one piece in the opposite direction from being in like a world of hurt. And, and that's, that's part of the Wisconsin way, right? They're not going to, they're not going to assemble the level of talent that other schools are just because they're going to want to develop guys and whatnot. But like the backup center spot is bleak. Uh, you know, if, if Chucky struggles or Chucky gets hurt, like he was banged up in points last year, it, it goes downhill fast. I, mean, I, I remember talking to a coach who played Wisconsin without Chucky Hepburn um, last year. And they were like, how in the world is this team going to win the Big Ten? Like, how 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 in the world is this going to happen? And I was like, I don't know. I can't, I can't even explain it. To you. Uh, like it was it, it it was that it was that close a margin. Yeah. And I just think that 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 always intrigues me with, with Wisconsin. It's like it's one. It's a couple things going right away from them being right at the top of the Big Ten again, and them being like, haha, we were disrespected the preseason. We should have picked at the top of the league again. And there one thing going wrong from maybe playing on the opening night of the Big Ten tournament. Like the, the margins that then. Do you feel that way with a lot of this conference? Because that's one of the most interesting things about the Big Ten for me is I just can't figure out what the difference between team seven or eight and team 12 is really. I feel like there are, whether it's Wisconsin, it's Rutgers, it's Penn State, you can go down the list of all of these teams that I just – like you just said, if, if things go well, I can see them all making the NCAA tournament. And if something doesn't go well, you get the wrong injury. I could see them really going to the bottom of the conference. And Wisconsin's a great example of that. Do you feel like that's just going to be part of the Big Ten story this season? 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Wisconsin's upside might be a little bit higher just because of sure. the history there, right? But like, like Maryland's a really good example. Maryland has a great starting five, especially if Jameer Young plays to the level that he was recruited at in the portal. Um, I know there have been issues in, in the past over the years with grad transfer point guards. Some of them hit, some of them don't. Um, it is kind of hit and miss. Um, but I think like if they get good point guard play, like that's a really good starting five. But their bench is also probably the weakest in the league. Uh, they have a new coach. Uh, how does that all come together? You're relying on, you know, Julian Reese and, and his ability to take a, take the next step. I mean, that, that's a team like if you told me they made the tournament and we're like peaking towards the top 25, I wouldn't be like surprised. And if you told me that they were, you know, under 500, I wouldn't be shocked. Like that's, that's kind of where I'd say. And Penn State has huge questions in the front court. Uh, how, how do they navigate that? Minnesota has two elite players. I mean, yep. like, I'm not sure this is a team whose top two I would take over Dawson Garcia. If you get Marquette Dawson Garcia, if you get Marquette, like out of high school Dawson Garcia, uh, and it's battle, but the rest of the roster, I'm not sure there's a roster I would take in the league. Uh, I, I wouldn't take the league over it. I mean, it's it's brutal. It's question mark central with freshmen, freshmen, and you know, underrated transfers, guys who weren't recruited at a super high level. Um, so, I mean, I think those those types of teams are, are fascinating. And I think we'll we'll tell the story of the league, right? I mean, if those teams have good non-conferences, that this league is going to be in the mix for nine, ten bids again. And people are going to complain come come March that the league stinks because and it's overrated. But at the end of the day, like if Dawson Garcia and James Battle lead Minnesota like eleven and two in the non-conference, and then they go eight and twelve in the league, they sh- they should be in the mix to be in the NCAA tournament. Like that's that's the reality. Like at some point, the games actually have to matter whether 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 it translates to March or not. Well said. Told him I I make that speech every single year after the NCAA tournament because it infuriates me to no end that we do that thing every single year what other storylines or sort of big questions looking at the conference as a whole are you most interested in heading into this season are there a couple things that really stand out to you that you're curious about sort of that you think are going to determine how this all shakes out hmm tricky question um i'm not sure i could point to necessarily one thing in particular there i think like i think at the end of the day the thing that makes this league kind of difficult to prognosticate is that the caliber of coaches even in the middle middle and bottom is really really high uh and i'm not like i'm not going to do the man you know chris collins is a outstanding basketball coach and fred hoiberg's elite and like i'm not going to do the media day like Shrews quote, like it is what it is, but like, look, Steve Peichel is going to get picked like eighth or ninth, and Steve Peichel's gotten Rutgers to three straight ends, yep. and has and has guys back, has three really good players back, and Mulcahy, McConnell, and then Omori. Like, w- wouldn't want to see him, right? Like, Izzo's going to get picked like sixth. That that that's not fun. Like, Chris Holman's going to get picked like fifth or seventh. Uh, that's that's not that's not fun uh i just think like kevin kevin willard i mean seton hall was a dumpster fire when he got yep. there it was a mess and you he don't built see that thing into yep. a perennial ncaa tournament team developed players guys got better every year um put produce pros like if that dude's the 10th best coach in your conference which he really might be 
that's a heck of a hard league to win night in and night out. And on the, I want to talk about non-conference real quick. Last year, it did not go so well other than Wisconsin being a revelation and everybody going, oh, they might actually be really good. Can they do this in the Big Ten? Oh, Johnny Davis is one of the best players in the country. And Purdue lived up to the billing, at least in non-conference, and then ultimately, I would argue, disappointed in conference play. But this season is a little bit different. And I mean, Michigan State is playing every good team in the country between the beginning of the season and, you know, December 6th, it feels like. And IU has some really high-profile games. Illinois has some really high-profile games. The best teams in this conference, Michigan is also on that list. The best teams in this conference are going to get some really good tests in the non-conference. Do you, sort of how do you see this going? Do you expect there to be some marquee wins, or do you feel like because you don't see a top 15 team in the country in this conference, the Big Ten might end up having to sort of rebuild its image after non-conference, which is difficult when you're just playing each other and kind of those resumes are built. Sort of what you said about Minnesota. If these teams start well, all of a sudden the conversation changes. Sort of what, how significant do you think these non-conference games and specifically the marquee matchups are? And how do you see that kind of playing out for the Big Ten? You got to get a couple, right? Because the last thing you want is to kind of get labeled the way that the ACC did last year, where it's like, okay, like the league sucks because it sucked in December, right? And you, you don't want that. Um, I do think there's going to be some, some big challenges, right? Like, so it's like, for instance, Illinois is in the, the thing in Vegas with, um, what is it? It's Baylor, UCLA, and Virginia. Um, like, Baylor has experienced guards and a national championship winning coach. Virginia brings back five starters. Uh, and UCLA brings back two elite players in Tiger Campbell and um, Tommy Hawkins, right? Like, for an Illinois team that is completely changing how they play, that is starting, you know, three three newcomers and two guys who were bench players last year, right? Like that that's going to be a challenge. Like a week a week and a half into the season, you're going to toss a freshman point guard into the fire and say, "Yeah, go play against the Virginia pack line, a Mick Cronin defense with a senior point guard." Uh, oh, and by the way, <laughs> the, the Baylor no middle defense with a top 10 pick in Keontae George and two other elite guards. Like give it a roll, Sky Clark, see how you play. <laughs> right. Like that, that's scary as hell. Like that that's that that could that could leave some lumps, right? And I think that that's a similar story, I think, for a lot of these teams, right? And when you look at some of the tests that they have, right? I mean, I think that's the one the one area where I think if you're Indiana, you feel pretty good is at least you have the experience level, right? Like Xavier Johnson and Trace Jackson Davis should not be intimidated by going to Allen Fieldhouse. They should not be intimidated by playing Arizona and Vegas. I mean, obviously they get Carolina at home. What an unbelievable opportunity. Um, you know, I'm excited for that game. Um, but I think, right, like you almost want to rely on Indiana to get some of these wins because I think particularly for Illinois when you're talking about the elite teams, and I think for, for Michigan State as well with the non-conference schedule that they have, I think they're probably going to struggle because, look, I mean, you're relying on Big jump from Jaden Akins, freshman center and Jackson Kohler, uh, potentially. I mean, obviously, they could maybe shuffle around, start house or whatever, but like they're going to need big minutes from Jackson Kohler, big minutes from Jaden Akins, big minutes from Pierre Brooks. Those guys have not played a lot of basketball. That's scary, right? So I think what you're hoping for is that the teams that have a little bit more cohesion, that have been around a little bit, can, can make some some noise in the non-conference. And then just steal some games, right? I mean, Iowa gets Duke on a neutral court. I don't, I don't remember the last time Iowa had a game like that. Maybe, maybe like steal one, right? 
you steal one, maybe, maybe that can change the perception without question. And the other thing I want to make sure to touch on, how many teams in this conference do you feel like have a realistic chance of making the NCAA tournament? Of course, 11, 12 teams are not going to make it. Mathematically, that just doesn't make sense. But I'm looking at this, and, and you seem to be even higher on Minnesota than I am, but I can at least talk myself into 12 and feel pretty good about, right, You, I'm not going to dismiss Rutgers. I'm not going to dismiss Wisconsin. Penn State has some really good options at the point guard, you know, at the guard spot. You can go down the list, and like you mentioned, Minnesota has two of the best 15 or so players in the conference. Do you – do you think there are 12 or 13 teams that realistically have a shot and aren't just being excited for a new season, but really feel like they can make it? Or do you feel like that's a little bit of a stretch and we're talking about more like the typical 10 where, you know, eight or nine end up actually getting. In? Yeah. I do think there's a drop off between, you know, the top 10 teams than the Penn state, Minnesota, Northwestern, Nebraska tier. Like I do think there's like a, like a somewhat notable divide in terms of the talent level and whatnot. I think they, you can talk yourself into Penn State and you can talk yourself into Minnesota. Minnesota, I could talk myself into a lot easier if they had one of even Parker Fox and Isaiah Enan. You give me one of them, I would be like, all right, whatever, like we can make this work. Having to start Taylon Cooper, <clears throat> Brayden Carrington, and Trayton Thompson, yeah, it's, it's starting to get towards NIT territory, yeah, if that. So uh, I, I think, and, and you know, I know Nebraska is excited. Hoiberg talked about positional size and Greasel at point guard helping them. Well, you're gonna, I'm going to have to see it. And the same thing with Northwestern. They've lost so many close games. I'm going to have to see it, especially without Pete Nance. I mean, their starting center is Titus Verhoeven. Like, I got to see it. So um, I, 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 I think realistically, I would say I have 10 in that, that strong mix. And then Penn State and Minnesota, kind of a tier below that. And then Northwestern and Nebraska are, are truly like, I'd be pretty stunned if they were in the mix. So okay. I don't know how we want to count that as numbers, but I think the, the cutoff is, is 10 and then another two and then another two. Okay. Interesting. And, and finally, the last question I want to ask again, Kevin, thank you for your time. When we look back on this season after the NCAA tournament is over, what do you feel like the conversation surrounding this conference is going to be? Is it similar to what feels like every season where the Big Ten looks great on paper and then ends up not getting to the Final Four or not getting to the National Championship game and it's, oh, the Big Ten can't produce in March? Or do you feel like we're going to get a different narrative this season, whether it's because somebody actually does deliver and sort of overperform in March or because we go into March with sort of dampered expectations because there isn't that clear team that everybody is really high on? Right. I think it's all, it's hard to build a narrative around, oh, yeah, how the, the, I, I mean, like, on paper, I'm going to say that the narrative would be that, oh, well, Big Ten couldn't do anything in March again, because on paper, I don't think they have teams that are necessarily made to do that. I, I think the, the more interesting thing I'll, I'll be looking back at at the end of the season, and I think this will be a real narrative, is, like, the teams, the, the three teams that people are picking to win, to be at the top of the league, in Illinois, uh, Indiana, Michigan, all three coaches still have, I think, a lot to prove. Right. I mean, Juwan Howard making the Sweet 16 last year, I think, quieted a lot of the the noise after how much they struggled throughout the season. But like, look, I mean, Juwan Howard was anointed as like the next great thing in, yep. in the sport. And last year, poured some cold water on that. Mm-hmm. If they struggle again, like if this team is on the bubble again, people can start to wonder, right? Like there's going to be a conversation about Juwan Howard being truly elite, right? 
Mike Woodson. I mean, look, Mike Woodson was one game away from missing the NCAA tournament last year. If they don't beat Illinois, they weren't going. They weren't going to dancing. Um, and that was game. That game was back and forth, up and down, and what have you. So if you if you like, everybody's loving great. Mike Mike Woodson's talking about G Herbo and hanging out and having a great time, and you know he's kind of everybody's lovable grand grandpa. But like, if they if they lose this year, if they don't if they don't win big with Trace in his last year there's going to be some conversations, right? It's Indiana. It happens quick. And even Illinois, I mean, Brad Underwood's gotten, you know, all the NCAA tournament hate for his inability to do stuff with IO and then Kofi. Um, If this team that is completely remade and a new vision, if this thing fails, which it very well could, right? I mean, for all the upside, there's a whole lot of downside here. Um, If it fails, like, the whole, yeah, Brad Underwood's the lead, Brad Underwood's the guy, Brad Underwood's the perfect, you know, man for Illinois, Maybe that goes away a little bit. I'm not, not saying he would be on the hot seat, but like I don't think Juwan would be. I don't think Mike would be. But like right now, I think there's there's a lot of positive vibes about those three guys, and things can change in a hurry. So I think that's really where I'm where I'm interested. I like that a lot. It's a it's a very astute observation. Yeah, and even even on the Juwan Howard part of this, just the idea of you know his best teams were the the veteran ones so far. The the inability to integrate, and that's one of my questions about Michigan this season. Like you said relying on these freshmen that last year that plan did not exactly go perfectly. So I'm very curious to see how this all plays out. Thank you so much for taking the time, Kevin. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Kevin, for taking the time talking some big 10 hoops. Always fun to have a new guy on the pod too. Yeah. Get to build those relationships. That's what it's all about, right? Mm -hmm. More friends in the college basketball space. Mm -hmm. I was surprised Kevin didn't have a little more faith in Northwestern and Kevin has more faith in Minnesota than you or I do. Mm-hmm. Now it's based on the idea that Dawson Garcia could be a fifth, top 15 player in the conference. Sure. But I was, I was a little surprised. I guess I'm just going to have to carry this Northwestern mantle by myself. That's kind of the conclusion I came to. Just put it on your back. You and boo booey. <laughs> I saw, I saw a tweet the other, and I think I, I think I, interacted with it on twitter in some way so i think i can find it um but basically here it is okay um boobooey is two and one against aj hogard in his career with these head-to-head averages in the head-to-heads boobooey is has 18 four 18 points and four assists with to 1.3 turnovers and aj hogard has 5.3 points three assists and two turnovers so all i'm saying is that is that <laughs> boo booey <clears throat> continuity? Like, there's that big old, like, the, that big, massive, you know, in like the word junk, like the mashup word, like you can put a bunch of words. The word cloud? The, is that what it's called? Where you can, like, take, like, you like take a poll and the words that were used the most are like, yeah, 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 bigger yeah. and, yeah, yeah. You know, we, there are all these little things for Northwestern, and then Pete Nance is right <laughs> in the center of it, really super big. So, of course, you have to acknowledge that. But, uh, but I, I we stand, we we stand, Boo Booey on this podcast. I think that's where I'm getting. I, like I said when we did our Big Ten preview, if he's not the top guard in the country, working with Taylor Battle and Brian McIntosh, I mean, I'm going to be slightly disappointed. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think, that, I think that's just yeah, two Bowie. Big Ten legends. <laughs> It truly is, truly is um, to Big Ten journeyman for sure. Anything else? On to 
our final two conferences now, Pac-12, SEC. We're alarmingly close. We're alarmingly close to the beginning of the college basketball season under, you know, we're basically three weeks and some change away. And that is, that is very, very exciting as we move even closer to the 2022-23 season. Please subscribe to the Days for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod um, YouTube channel, please. If you'll go there, subscribe, hit the like button, all of those things that YouTube creators say really helps with the algorithm. We'd love if you do those things for us as well. Um, and you, if you just like to uh, to see some faces to the sounds and the, the the takes and things that you're hearing, that's the place to go and do it. But we will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.